G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Of course, families are and always were God's idea. Yet so often these days, families seem to be, well, let's be honest, just a tad dysfunctional. And as we each grapple with the realities of family life, all too often we look around at all those apparently normal, balanced, near-perfect families out there and we wonder to ourselves, what's wrong with my family? What's going on here? Bernie Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're kicking off a new series of messages called Building a Godly Family. Not a perfect family, mind you, but a godly one. So let's head into God's Word, and please do stay tuned, because in a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet that I'd love to send you. It's called A Home blessed with peace, to help you become the person in your family through whom God pours out his peace. Amen. Well, here we are, a new week, and today we're going to start a discussion, you and I, about something completely different. Over these next few weeks on the program, we're going to be taking a look at what it means to build a godly family. I'll tell you why. Recently here at the Ministry of Christianity Works, we asked our friends and supporters to write into us to share their prayer requests. And here's what struck me. At least 80% of the prayer requests we received, and there were a lot of them, I have to tell you, at least 80% were asking us to pray for people's families, for my son or my wife or my daughter, my husband, my auntie, my cousins. You know something? We actually care about our families. As difficult and as strife-torn as many families are, blood is thicker than water, and our families really do matter to us. And we don't have to look very far, you know, in society to see today families are becoming more and more dysfunctional. But here's the thing. We kind of know that, but somehow we imagine that, well, there's, there's this perfect family out there. In fact, the perfect family is the norm, And the dysfunction we see in our own families, well, we're just the only ones. It's my fault. I've botched it up. We're just stuck with this. It's the way it is. The teenagers who don't respect their parents, the the adults in our extended families who are having feuds and they haven't talked to each other for ages because they argued over distributing the assets of their parents when they died eight years ago. No, no, you see, it's just my family that's a mess. And that's the thing. It's, it's what I've been handed. It's the hand that I've been dealt. And there's just nothing I can do about it. There's just nothing. What's the point? It's true, isn't it? Living out family is sometimes like living out a guerrilla war. It's so in your face. Every time you come home, every time you walk in the door, the whole family thing greets you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that every family is a basket case. Hopefully yours isn't. But sometimes we're so close to it all, it kind of feels like it is a basket case. We we get it out of perspective. And in the middle of this constant relational tension, 
you can get to feeling like, oh, God, what's going on here? Why can't I have a normal family like everybody else, like those people next door? And let me tell you, I'm, I'm not talking about this whole family thing from some perfect place, I can tell you. Before I gave my life over to Jesus a decade and a half ago, I've got to tell you, I made some huge blunders that changed the very course of my life. And I'm still far from perfect. But since that time, God's been teaching me a new way. Still learning. So I'm at a certain place in my journey, and you're a certain place in your journey. And, and let's get over this comparing and judging and other people have better families than me. There's only one issue. Where do we go from here? And I, for one, I am about building a godly family because there is such reward in that, such harvest, and not just one day in the future but along the way, here and now, the joy of investing and sacrificing to make a difference in the lives of those whom we love. We'll talk about that over the coming weeks. But today I just want to give us some comfort that God knows all about dysfunctional families. You can take the very first human family, if you like, Adam and Eve, and their two sons, Cain and Abel. You probably know the story of Adam and Eve, you know, the Garden of Eden, and, and then they sinned, they ate the apple, and God kicked them out, and they had a couple of sons. But I want to show you something about this family, the interactions between the people, that's a real stark reminder about the dysfunction in family. You often hear people talking about Adam and Eve and the snake and all that stuff from a theological perspective, and that's great. But what about from a family perspective? Okay, Adam and Eve, they've sinned. They ate from that one tree that God told them not to. God comes looking for them. They're hiding in the garden. I've always thought that's incredibly smart to be hiding from God. And God brings Adam to account. He says to Adam, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and then I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me. I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. It comes from Genesis chapter 3, verses 11 to 15. So there it is. They rebelled against God, and God, well, Adam blames Eve. It's the very first thing he does when he does something wrong. Adam blames Eve, and Eve blames the snake, and I guess the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. You see what happens? We go from perfect harmony to dysfunction. God tells them that that's going to be the norm from now on. There's going to be enmity between the man and the woman. There's going to be enmity amongst the children. And that's exactly what happens. Listen to what Cain and Abel, what their relationship ends up like. Abel was the keeper of sheep and Cain the tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel, for his part, brought the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. 
Genesis chapter 4. So there you have it. The very first family, they rebel against God. Husband turns against wife. Brother kills brother. It's the absolute natural state of affairs for a family that's turned its back on God. But here's the good news. There's a flip side to this coin for the family that turns back to God, a family that honors God, a family that has God as the head of its household. That family can expect God to bless it. Have another listen. Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven or above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. In other words, when we put God at the head of our lives and the head of our families, he will show us his steadfast, unwavering love, not just to us, but to a thousand generations. And you know what that means? doesn't matter how bad things have become in our families. When we honour God, he in turn will honour us. Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Families, well, they were always God's idea. And yet families invariably involve conflict. It's not just your family, it's every family, more or less. But how do we turn the more into less, conflict into peace? That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called A Home Blessed with Peace, and it's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you be the one in your family through whom God pours out his peace. Amen. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find some life application questions to help you think through and apply God's word right into the realities of your family life. To request your copy, stop by at our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or just give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, the first thing a doctor tends to ask us when we visit is about our family history. And just the way that physical things get handed down to us genetically, so do emotional, behavioural and spiritual things. Question is, what can we do about them? One of the things that brings so much dysfunction into families are the things of the past, things that have been handed down genetically, emotionally and spiritually. Our parents hand so many things down to us, their genes, their strengths and their weaknesses. People say that I look like my dad, I even walk like him. But it wasn't till I saw myself in a TV interview that I was, I was shocked to realise that my very mannerisms are so much like my father's. It's pretty scary. And so alcohol addictions and bad tempers and a tendency to whinge and complain, all sorts of things end up being handed down from generation to generation. Dysfunctional families are much more likely to produce children that grow up to have their own dysfunctional families. Where does it end? Well, I have a simple answer to that. It ends today, right here and now, this very minute. That's when it ends. Let me explain. 
See, it's, it's really easy to blame our parents for things, for the, the bad things that happened. If abuse happened in your childhood, or you had a father with a bad temper, or your parents smoked, whatever it is, and they handed those things down to you. I don't know about your parents, but mine, I had good parents. They weren't perfect, they just worked hard, and I'm sure they can look back at their lives and go, well, I could have done this better, or I could have done that better. But there's no point in just sitting here and blaming them and blaming the past. Things do get handed down from generation to generation. Some of them are good things, but others aren't. When you go and see a doctor, one of the first things he'll ask you about is your family history. Is there a history of high blood pressure or diabetes or heart disease or mental health issues or breast cancer? Family history has a lot to do with our physical well-being. Now, my dad had type 2 diabetes. And in the end, it took his life. My mother has high blood pressure. And so I can sit here without exercising, eating whatever I want, and whinge and complain about the fact that, that they could give me diabetes and high blood pressure. Or I can get off my backside and do something about it. It's a pretty clear alternative. Most illnesses, you can work against them and reduce the risk. And it's the same with emotional and spiritual things that get handed down to us. Maybe you had parents who were into the occult. Maybe you had parents who fought like cat and dog. Maybe you had parents who knew about God but simply didn't honour God with their lives. Well, you've got two choices. You can sit there and complain about it, or you can do something about it. Have a listen to what happens when we put other things before God. We looked at it before the break. God says, I am a jealous God, and I will punish children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generation. But those who show steadfast love, I will bless to the thousandth generation. It's pretty straightforward. When parents turn away from God and chase after other things, it's going to have an impact, not just on them, but on their children and their children's children. It's obvious. We've seen how it works. A child brought up by an alcoholic father is likely to suffer the consequences of that in adulthood. There's every chance that it'll impact not just them, but it'll be passed down to their kids. It's not rocket science. We've all seen it. But look at the alternative that God talks about, showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. A thousand generations, a new generation every 25 years, that's 25,000 years. We're only a fraction of the way into that since this was written, Deuteronomy, a few thousand years BC. Do you get it? God's blessing to us and our families when we honour him is just massive. And you see that in a lot of godly families. This dynasty of blessing flows down from one generation to the next. Maybe there are things from your past, emotional, spiritual, that are impacting your life. Today is the day that we can choose to break that chain. Today is the day that we can choose to break free from the power of the past. Listen to the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you, both I And my family have sinned. And Nehemiah then goes on to ask for forgiveness. He turns away from that and he moves on. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. It breaks the linkage to the sin of previous generations. Nehemiah, his ancestors and his family. 
We have all sinned. God is a God who forgives, and God is a God who makes all things new again. He breaks the power of the past over us because his heart is to bless to a thousand generations. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things are new. Let me take you back to some of the things that maybe you've had handed down to you, addictions or anger or bad behaviour or whatever it is. We can receive freedom from those things simply by praying and believing. God will work out his answer to our prayer in our lives in his good time. Meanwhile, we can take stock of those things and decide to start doing something about them, not in our own fancy strength, but through a relationship with Jesus which transforms us. It is time to end the cycle of sin in our families, to stop it dead here. The buck stops with you and me. How about it? I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. We're chatting today about building a godly family, not in theory, but in practice, taking the cards you've been dealt in your family, whatever they look like, and turning things around to bring peace and joy, love and forgiveness into your family. Now, that's a tall order for some. Well... At some point, the talk has to turn into action. Otherwise, nothing's ever going to change. The question is, are you ready? Well, are you? Now, it doesn't matter how dysfunctional a family is at the moment. All it takes is one member of that family to turn back to God, to honour God, and God can and will make an awesome and mighty difference. It may take time. It may take longer than you or I would prefer. But God's a God of grace. His heart is to bless our family to a thousand generations. And he's looking for some godly men, godly women, godly children to take a stand and say, enough is enough. It is time for me to build a godly family. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 in the Message Translation says this, God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. That's why this ministry I'm involved in is called Christianity Work, because it actually does. So let's talk about making it happen, an empowered life that sets about building a godly family. But you know what I've noticed? We can talk about a lot of stuff, but, but most times nothing changes unless we actually do something. It's true at work, it's true at home. How often have you been to a meeting at work and people talk about a whole bunch of stuff? We'll do this, we'll do that. But after the meeting... 
No one does anything. And guess what? Nothing changes. Nothing. We come home tired at the end of the day. We need a rest. We ignore things. The badly behaved children, for example. There's a great proverb, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17, that says, Discipline your children and they will give you rest. They will give you the delight of your heart. I've seen this down in the local supermarket. The mother's with a child, and the child just grinds her down through bad behaviour. And she's tired. She's too tired to do anything about it. So she lets this kid run riot, causing her grief and causing everybody else grief as well. Why does it happen? I'll tell you why. Probably because Dad is too tired to discipline the child when he comes home. Does he enjoy the behaviour? No. But this kid walks all over his mother, she's exhausted, and and mind you, the kid's only seven. Wait till the little terror becomes a teenager. You see, there's fruit in building a godly family. Tremendous fruit. Discipline your children, and what do you get? Peace and a delighted heart. What you sow is what you reap. The problem is sowing is hard work sometimes, and reaping seems, well, such a long way off, doesn't it? Let me tell you something. We've been talking about building a godly family, but it ain't going to happen unless we step out in faith and start making it happen. Yes, it's about God blessing our efforts, but if he's got nothing to bless, then he's got nothing to bless. I mean, if if I'm 20 kilos overweight, 40 pounds, and I decide I want to be trim, taut, and terrific, and I pray and pray and believe God for a breakthrough, but I keep eating and drinking the same old rubbish and I don't exercise, let me ask you something. Is God going to zap me while I'm lying on the sofa and miraculously remove the excess weight? He could. And with God, I'd never ruled anything out. But I've never quite seen it happen that way, have you? Why would we think it's any different in building a godly family? We behave ourselves into a bad place by what we say, what we do, what we fail to do. We behave our families into that bad place. And yes, we should pray. But God expects us to start behaving ourselves out of that place. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. He is going to bless that, but we have to do our part. So let me ask you something. Do you want to have a godly family? Because if you do, you're going to have to decide that that's what we want, plan it and start living it. We're going to have to decide that some changes have to be made. This easy, comfortable, lazy existence has to change. Discipline's painful. Kids don't like it much. It takes strength and perseverance, but it pays dividends in their lives and in ours. Let me ask you, how much do you want to have a godly family? And if the answer is, yes, I do, I do, then some tough decisions have to be made. If your family is one with a husband and a wife, then it's up to the both of you. If it's a single-parent family, then it's up to you alone. But husband and wife have to talk and dream and decide what's important and set priorities and figure out how to do this, what steps to take first and so on. Mum and Dad, you are the leaders. And I happen to believe that ultimately the father is responsible for the spiritual growth and nourishment and development of his family. The buck stops with you, Dad. And that's not a sexist thing because I have to tell you, So many women would give their eye teeth if their husbands would just step up to the plate and take on a leadership role. So many kids would love to have parents who are interested in them, who spend time and effort setting boundaries, enforcing those boundaries, nurturing them within those boundaries. I have to tell you, as a person, I'm a natural isolationist. I I like my own company, oft times over the company of others. 
I really enjoy retreating to my own space after a hard day at the office. So for me, given who I am, getting involved with the family and kids and listening to what happened to them at school and at work, it's not a natural gig, you know? But we have to start somewhere. We can't build a godly family if there's no relationship, if there's no interaction, if we're not involved in planning and making it happen. We're going to talk about some of that over the next few weeks. In fact, I've been speaking to one of the godliest families I know, some friends of mine who live in the US, mum, dad, and their nine children. They've given me some of their pointers, both the parents and the children. And this massive tribe, I have to tell you, they've got their acts so well together. I know it's not perfect. But I asked them and I asked the kids, tell me what this godly family thing is about. We're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. But right now, we have to decide, each one of us, Do we really want to have a godly family? Well, do we? And if we do, what are we going to do about it? Maybe that's something you can pray about and think about and talk about over this next week. We'll look at it some more when we get together again at the same time next week, this whole thing of building a godly family. But I have to tell you, when I read about this God who says, look, I don't care what's happened in the past, you turn back and you honour me in your lives, in your family. And I'll tell you what, I won't just bless you. I'll bless your children, and I'll bless your children's children, and I'll bless their children and the next generation. In fact, the blessing when you break the curses that have been handed down from you simply by praying and honouring God and turning back to Him. The blessing that flows is a blessing that flows for a thousand generations. That's who God is. pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something really important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live in the peace and the joy, the victory and the love that only come through faith in Jesus Christ. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. How incredible is that? That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond, and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.